Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a bi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We'll discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. Today, I'm here to give a bit of an update to the Mike Lindell or MyPillow situation. For those of you that haven't heard of Mike Lindell, he's had a ton of controversies in his past. He's made false claims about his pillows curing certain ailments. He's claimed to know what the cure for coronavirus is. He says that Trump was appointed by God, things of that nature. I'm not going to get too deep into his past since I've already done an episode on that. Today, we're gonna be focusing on some of his more recent activities. So let's dive right into what Mike's been up to since that last episode. So I think it's fair to say that Mike Lindell hasn't exactly agreed with the outcome of the 2020 election in the US. If you don't like the results, that's up to you, but that doesn't make them untrue. I think we can all agree that you're not gonna really change that fact just because you didn't like that fact. However, a few weeks after the election in December, 2020, that's exactly what Mike was aiming to do through bus tours. According to Reuters, at more than 25 stops in parking lots and airplane hangars in states including Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee, flight attendant turned political activist Amy Creamer and other speakers exhorted crowds to join her and others in Washington to fight for Trump and overturn the election. Last Wednesday, the tour reached its final destination, Washington, DC, and Creamer took to the stage at the March for Trump rally she'd been organizing for weeks. It is up to you and I to save this republic, Creamer told thousands of self-styled patriots in Ellipse Park, south of the White House, in one of many warm-up speeches for Trump. We are not going to back down, are we? Keep up the fight. This took place in the weeks leading up to the Capitol riots. I can't say for sure that this influenced the rioters. I don't know how many of those people were also at the Capitol weeks later, or if any of them were at all, but I don't doubt that this sure as hell was not helping. The attitude of we're not backing down is directly against what democracy stands for. The people spoke, the president was elected, end of story. And this goes for both sides. I disagree with the 2016 protests against Trump that turned violent as well. There's nothing wrong with a peaceful protest, however. And according to the 2016 news reports, protests were mainly peaceful until they met with an anarchist group. Whereas many argue that some Capitol rioters planned for the protest to be wild from the start. And if you can't see a difference between vandalism, kicking cars versus five deaths and storming the fucking US Capitol, then I can't help you there. For now, the point is that Mike Lindell, the CEO of a fucking pillow company, played a large role in trying to overturn the election. Reuters again stated, Another important player and financier of the post-election protest movement was Mike Lindell, founder and CEO of the MyPillow company, whose advertisements and political commentary are a fixture on conservative media. Lindell, a self-described former cocaine addict and alcoholic who says he found sobriety through Christianity, helped sponsor a two-week March for Trump bus tour that ended in Washington on December 14th and spoke at five stops. MyPillow is a major advertiser and sponsor of the Right Side Broadcasting Network, a conservative media group that went along on the tour to provide daily coverage. Lindell said his financial backing of the bus tour ended in mid-December. He emphasized to Reuters that he did not help finance subsequent trips to promote the January 6th rally that would devolve into riots. He did, however, attend the rally before the march to the Capitol that day. He spoke the day before the rallies at Freedom Plaza near the White House. The Capitol rioting has not changed Lindell's views on contesting the election. I'm not letting the fraud go, he told Reuters. 
It was the most corrupt election in US history and probably in the world history. Christopher Krebs, a cybersecurity chief for the Trump administration, called the election the most secure in the nation's history shortly after the vote. Trump fired him. Again, we'll get into the Capitol stuff a bit later. I'm trying to work chronologically through this, though there's a lot of criticism that's to come Mike's way, so sorry if things get a little bit mixed up here. Make no mistake though, Mike absolutely supported overturning the election. I was really curious what Mike had to say at these bus tours, so I found a 20 minute video on YouTube of exactly that. First of all, the entire speech is incredibly bizarre and there's really no other word for it. Mike starts off with this little skit where he approaches a small group of women holding little yellow slips that read fake Georgia ballots and then tells them what they did was illegal and they've been caught. The four women pretend to cry and seemingly act sad that their fake votes didn't go through, like how a child would put on a play, except they're adults. I, I don't really know what he was trying to do there. Anyway, about a minute into his talk, Mike calls on the governor to stop the election and pull 200,000 illegal votes. He insists that it's real, that the Democratic Party is not a party anymore, and that the mainstream media are hiding votes from us. The thing is, I will absolutely agree that the mainstream media does get it wrong sometimes. Simply because I source the New York Times or Reuters or commonly used news outlets doesn't mean they can do no wrong. I talked about this in my bystander effect video, how the New York Times very blatantly misreported on the murder of Kitty Genevieve years ago and started this false narrative that still persists today that 30 plus people saw her stabbed and said nothing. However, if there truly are easily 200,000 fake ballots as Mike puts it, then where are they? Even judges that Trump himself appointed couldn't find them. But here Mike is in December insisting the vote was false. And it's only going to get worse, obviously, but this is just the beginning of the end. Throughout his entire 20 minute video, and yes, I unfortunately watched the whole thing, I did not hear a shred of evidence to Mike's claims. He states that he spent time in DC as a businessman and he can see corruption a mile away and it's hurting people. He claims Trump smashed political correctness to get everything done. And yet in the next breath, he also says that until he met Trump privately, he'd never been in politics before. So which one is it, Mike? Are you so experienced that you can spot corruption a mile away or are you brand new to politics? Or maybe he's stating that in the past four years, hanging out in DC with Trump, he learned everything he knows about how to spot corruption better than those who have lived and work in DC for years. Whichever option you wanna go with, it sounds a bit ridiculous either way. After this, Mike states that people attacked him, making him only push back harder. He says that the Better Business Bureau gave him an F and people began calling him racist, which puts him on the defensive. The thing is, Mike, the BBB has a current complaint out for you because of allegations that you used advertising claims that reference scientific studies. MyPillow ads said they were proven to be better to treat poor sleep and things of that nature. That's where the complaint comes from. The BBB didn't attack you for supporting Trump. They put an alert out for your company because your business is fucking shady. They called you racist because you support racist people. One source states, MyPillow also continued to run ads on Fox's Tucker Carlson tonight after audio files were uncovered of the show's host, Tucker Carlson, using homophobic and racist language several years ago on a radio program. Fox has since conducted several friendly interviews with Lindell to discuss everything from his business to conservative issues. If I boycotted, if I went off channels, even ones that badmouthed me, I wouldn't be anywhere. I wouldn't have any place to advertise, Lindell added. He also claimed without evidence that most of the boycotts are fueled by bots and trolls online, seemingly dismissing the hashtag boycott MyPillow campaign that has spread on Twitter. It's up to Mike where he advertises and that's fine, but to suggest that it's all because he supported Trump isn't accurate. 
I'm sure there are plenty of people that have thought less of him because of his affiliation with the former president, but to claim that that's the only reason is just not accurate. Mike also claims that he's even been attacked for wearing a cross in his commercials. And when I searched to see how accurate this was, I only found one Quora question asking, why does the MyPillow guy wear a crucifix in his commercials? One forum had someone ask, why am I offended by the MyPillow guy and his big ass cross? And I won't condone that. No one should be attacked for their religion. Though it doesn't seem there's been many discussions around it at all, if I'm being totally honest here. Even if Mike has been criticized for wearing a crucifix in his commercials though, the BBB and the accusations of racism aren't coming from his support of Trump. I went back to Mike's speech on the bus tour and he criticizes how we were locked up for Thanksgiving and couldn't gather. Yes, because making quarantine and COVID precautions sound like we're being thrown in jail makes perfect sense. He also calls COVID the China virus, says that Biden hasn't been elected for anything and that God has his hand in the White House. This being before Biden was in the White House, of course. Although Mike Lindell's speech is a whole lot of words without any substance really, about 15 minutes in, he starts promoting the idea that the voting machines were incorrect and cheating. So we're just going to jump from his bus tour to his conspiracy that Mike Lindell supported and debunk that, just as we've debunked several of his claims here before. Mike just wanted to push the envelope, it seems. However, when he made his claims about voter fraud and spoke out against these machine counting companies, he's defaming them. And we all know what happens when you make claims without proof you're asking for a lawsuit. Now, before that, he did get a cease and desist letter and here's what it said. Dear Mr. Lindell, our law firm is defamation counsel to US Dominion Inc. We write regarding your patently false accusations that Dominion has somehow rigged or otherwise improperly influenced the recent US presidential election. Despite knowing your implausible attacks against Dominion have no basis in reality, you have participated in the vast and concerted misinformation campaign to slander Dominion. Litigation regarding these issues is imminent. With this letter, you are on notice of your ongoing obligations to preserve documents related to Dominion's claims for defamation based on allegations that the company acted improperly during the November 2020 presidential election. Dominion wasn't messing around either. When they said litigation was imminent, they meant that shit. As of writing this, they are threatening a lawsuit against Mike Lindell, though they've already filed lawsuits against others such as Rudy Giuliani. Smartmatic, another voting counting machine, has also filed a $2.7 billion defamation suit against Fox News. Again, this is absolutely still developing and we'll touch on this more in a little while, but I'm trying to move in chronological order here. It's just important that we recognize that the comments started months ago before actually, you know, evolving. Around the time Lindell was promoting these fake ballots and conspiracy theories, he was also visiting the White House. This was on January 15th, 2021, just over a week since the attack on the Capitol. Although this attack did seem to make some Trump supporters wisen up to how bad things had gotten, Lindell was not one of those people. On the 16th of January, the New Yorker reported, MyPillow CEO, Mike Lindell, entered the West Wing of the White House on Friday, bearing what appears to be plans for something resembling a coup ahead of his meeting with President Trump. An eagle-eyed Twitter user enhanced a photo of a piece of paper in the right hand of the mustachioed mattress topper mogul that included phrases such as insurrection act now as a result of the assault, apparently last week's Capitol riot. It also clearly shows Cash Patel, a hardcore Trump loyalist acting as CIA and references Trump's former lawyer and noted conspiracy theorist, Sidney Powell in some unknown context. In bold at the top, it reads, Frank Cullen as acting national security. Cullen is described as an attorney with cyber expertise associated with Fort Meade where US Cyber Command is located. 
Let me be very clear and say that it's impossible to read this paper in its entirety. It's folded and blurry, and there's no way for sure we can know exactly what it said. But from what we can read and knowing whose hand it's in, it's pretty apparent that there were plans for a coup. Intelligencer even spoke with a person fitting the exact description listed in these documents, a cyber attorney based out of Fort Meade. He expressed confusion at apparent plans for him to be involved in this coup. Then Frank Cullen, also mentioned in the documents, describes himself as just a government employee who does work for the army. He has no idea why he would be in a senior role as the documents state, and he claims he has never met Lindell. The intelligencer continues and reads, a military spokesman acknowledged that Colin is a civilian lawyer assigned to the 780th Military Intelligence Brigade, but declined to comment further. Online, Colin appears to doubt Trump lost the presidential election. A Twitter account that shares the same username as Colin's LinkedIn page is rife with pro-Trump conspiracy theories. Colin has denied he is on Twitter. The account's most recent tweet is an apparent reference to president-elect Joe Biden. If you need the military to protect you from the people during your fraudulent inauguration, the people didn't vote for you. The Twitter account is followed by a handful of MAGA personalities, though not Lindell. Colin may face a military investigation over his social media accounts. Lindell told the New York Times after his meeting that the notes were given to him by an attorney who he's been working with to prove Trump won. His meeting with the president was brief, however, reportedly lasting no more than five to 10 minutes. And look, I don't know exactly what that paper said. You probably don't know either. I've got no idea if Colin was talked about with Lindell or if he believes the election is really rigged or not. But what I do know is that Lindell met with Trump just over a week after the Capitol attack with papers that appeared to reference martial law as well as the Insurrection Act. And as another source reports, on December 19th, Lindell posted a tweet calling on Trump to impose martial law on seven battleground states Biden won in the election. Lindell also told Trump to seize the voting machines and ballot boxes in those states. Lindell deleted the tweet about an hour later. On January 6th, Lindell attended Trump's Stop the Steal rally, which occurred before Trump's followers later staged an insurrection on the US Capitol that resulted in five deaths and dozens of injured police officers. At the very, very least, this is not a good look. At worst, Lindell was absolutely encouraging yet another violent takeover to prevent Biden from taking over just a few days before the inauguration. Though I don't want to assume the worst in anyone, I believe people's fear and frustration here is kind of justified. After what happened at the Capitol, people were scared, nervous, and preparing for the worst. And now it's time to pay some bills and thank today's sponsor, HelloFresh. Now, going out to the grocery store, doing some shopping on your own, we still are in the middle of a pandemic essentially, so you really don't wanna be out there doing that if you don't have to. And with HelloFresh, you don't need to. HelloFresh delivers fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes right to your door. Let you skip the trips and make home cooking easy, fun, affordable, and honestly gives me a little bit of an ego boost to be real here. And HelloFresh is also like 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal, all without sacrificing quality. And take a listen to some of these meals because I went and ordered a couple extra meals from HelloFresh because they just had some stuff that sounded really good, okay? So I got some crispy buffalo spiced chicken, balsamic and fig beef tenderloin, and a chicken and biscuit pot pie. Like, come on, that sounds great. And it's awesome because the food is pre-portioned, it's easy to follow recipes, and it tastes great. So I can, you know, make dinner quick and then get back to working, playing with Casper, speaking of which, hi, hello, someone showed up. But if you wanna get started today, make sure that you go to hellofresh.com slash casket12 and use code casket12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. 
Again, hellofresh.com slash casket12 and use code casket12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Thank you, HelloFresh, for sponsoring today's corporate casket. And uh, it's time for you guys to return to the video. And for me, it's time for me to go play with Casper because someone is very much demanding my attention as we speak. So if Mike did suggest yet another violent attempt of a takeover or enacting martial law, then he's even more fucked up than I originally thought. Somehow though, this still isn't the end. Once Biden entered office, Mike did not calm down, not one little bit. Late January, Twitter decided they were sick of Lindell's dangerous claims that Trump still won, despite the fact that that's not the case. Just as they banned Trump, they also banned Lindell. ABC News reported, Twitter decided to ban Lindell, who founded betting company MyPillow due to repeated violations of its civic integrity policy, a spokesperson said in a statement. The policy was implemented last September and is targeted at fighting disinformation. It was not immediately clear which post by Lindell on Twitter triggered the suspension of his account. And yet Mike Lindell says that Twitter didn't take his account down because he backed Trump. He said they took it down because they don't want the Dominion machine fraud out there. Reuters wrote on January 26th that, Lindell also said on Tuesday that Twitter removed his account after he posted a positive description of him written by an employee. So now an article goes up about who I really am from a real person and they wiped my Twitter out forever. I don't know how he can believe this with no proof whatsoever. Whether it's QAnon, the voter fraud, the things that Marjorie Greene has promoted, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around where these people are actually coming from. On one hand, I've tried so hard to pick this apart, but on the other hand, I can't find the reasoning in it. Not only has Lindell claimed that there's voter fraud, he's also claimed Antifa was responsible for the Capitol, that Twitter banning him for talking about voter fraud is the real reason. It's like he's falling deeper and deeper into more ridiculous and unproven claims. It's both pathetic and infuriating, that's for sure. Mike briefly got around the Twitter ban, though, of course, that didn't last. One source states, Now, the corporate MyPillow account has also been permanently banned after Lindell tweeted from it to circumvent his personal ban and to call out Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey for canceling him. Thank you to everyone who has supported MyPillow during this time. Jack Dorsey is trying to cancel me, Mike Lindell out. The company tweeted Sunday, some users captured screenshots of the tweets before the account was shut down. We are extremely busy hiring as fast as we can to handle all the shipping the post continued. Jack will be found out and should be put in prison when all is revealed. A Twitter representative confirmed to MarketWatch that the corporate MyPillow account was permanently suspended for violating our ban evasion policy. MyPillow was not immediately available for comment, but Lindell reportedly told USA Today that he can't believe they're doing this to my company. They're out to destroy me. And Mike, honey, no one's destroying your company. You're the one destroying yourself and your company. You don't have to claim that there's voter fraud going on. Those are words that came out of your mouth multiple times. If the MyPillow company Twitter stuck to its tweets about the company, I doubt Twitter would have banned them. But they told Mike Lindell to stay off Twitter and he didn't and now he's acting like a victim. And just to insert my opinion here for a moment, I find it funny how they always argue that corporations should have all this freedom, freedom to do what they want, freedom to do and handle business how they want. And when Twitter, a private company, handles business how it wants, now it's no longer fair. Like you are the one who made this system a thing, who made these rules and these litigation policies legitimate when they do this. And now you don't like it because it's against you, like what? But anyway, Twitter isn't the only one that doesn't really wanna hear Mike's unfounded claims anymore. Just a couple days ago, apparently, or maybe a couple weeks ago at this point, Mike was cut off from speaking on air with Newsmax because even they are done with listening to him lie. 
According to the Washington Post from their February 2nd article, things went sideways just 10 seconds into Newsmax TV's interview Tuesday afternoon with Mike MyPillow guy Lindell. Appearing on the conservative cable news network, Lindell was asked to discuss Twitter's decision to ban him for repeatedly spreading misinformation about the 2020 election, which he has insisted for weeks was stolen from Trump. The MyPillow chief executive immediately launched into an attack on Dominion Voting Systems, an election technology company that has become the subject of baseless accusations relating to the election. He said his Twitter feed was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. Co-anchor Bob Sellers tried to cut Lindell off. Mike, 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 we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any kinds of those allegations, he said. We just wanna let the people know that there's nothing substantiated from what we've seen. And let me read you something. Lindell just kept talking, his words muted and mostly indecipherable, while Sellers looked down and began to read from what sounded like a legal disclaimer. Newsmax accepts the election results are legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. And that clip is probably one of the most entertaining things I've seen on news in a while. And I admit I have watched that thing multiple times because it is one of the funniest fucking moments. I can't tell you, like explain why it's so funny, but just the absurdity of it all is just, it's hilarious. I think my humor might be broken though. You can literally see like the anchors look incredibly uncomfortable, talk over him while Mike is just shouting and licking his lips while the anchor talks. It's like so awkward and cringy. I just, (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. But the anchor actually gets up and leaves barely a minute after this interview starts, not wanting to be a part of this, while his co-anchor, former Fox News anchor Heather Childers, tries to talk Lindell down. The way she's talking to him, it's like the way a mother would talk to a toddler screaming about not getting any candy at the store. And honestly, I've seen toddlers act way better than how he acted in this clip. And yes, by the way, this is someone who's considering running for the governor of Michigan as a reminder. But let's get back to this interview. As the Post article continues, what was left unsaid was that Newsmax has recently faced legal threats from Dominion and Smartmatic, another voting technology company that has threatened to sue right-wing news outlets and personalities for spreading what the company's claim is defamatory misinformation about their role in the election. In late December, a law firm representing Dominion sent a letter to Newsmax promising imminent litigation over false statements you have recently published regarding Dominion. No such lawsuit has been filed, but the possibility of a libel case clearly has the networks worried. Newsmax and Fox News have issued extraordinary on-air clarification since the election, essentially disavowing the claims of fraud that they had repeatedly aired. No wonder Newsmax didn't want Mike ranting about the voting machines. They're already dealing with potential lawsuits of their own. News outlets blew up over this and understandably so, honestly. Forbes stated that in the weeks following the election, Newsmax has become a hub for the vote rigging conspiracy theories. The fact that even they shut up about the machines and asked Mike to stop speaking about it speaks volumes to me because you'd think that out of all the news media outlets, these would be the guys on his side. But even Newsmax knows when to stop when Mike sure doesn't. And Mike isn't just spouting conspiracies without being aware of the consequences. He's quoted as saying he wants Dominion to sue him. And I mean, I I hope you get your wish, I guess, because it's gonna be nasty if you do. Now, as for the fallout, there's been quite a lot of it. Not that I think Mike cares considering how much he seems to welcome that hate coming his way. Many companies have dropped MyPillow products, including Bed Bath & Beyond and Kohl's. Mike says they've done this because they're in fear of being boycotted. Whether it's that or simply not wanting to be associated with him anymore, it really doesn't matter. According to Insider, Bed Bath & Beyond said it was an underperforming brand, Kohl's cited decreased customer command, QVC said it had an ever-changing portfolio, and JCPenney also cited poor sales. 
hell, it doesn't even seem like it's the companies deciding to leave the MyPillow name, but the customers are doing it for them. Wayfair, HEB, Kroger, and BJ's have also stopped selling MyPillow, though Costco is still honoring contractual commitments. As of today, this news broke while I was writing this script, David Hogg announced that he's launching a pillow brand to be a direct competitor with Mike Lindell. According to one source, March for Our Lives co-founder David Hogg tweeted on Thursday that he and software developer William Legate are launching a pillow company to compete against MyPillow, which is led by Trump supporter CEO, Mike Lindell. David Hogg, if you aren't aware, is a gun control advocate and survivor of the Stoneman Douglas school shooting. He's been the target of many conspiracy theories, including the one spouted off by Georgia representative Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever the fuck she is at this point. But yeah, people like that essentially. I've got no idea if David Hogg's brand is gonna be a good brand, but I really doubt that it'll meet my pillows levels of infamy. Now, as much as I really wanted this to be over and that would have been the whole episode, we still have one last little detail to cover. One very just small casual detail. And that's that Mike Lindell made a three hour long documentary called Absolute Proof about why he believes there was voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. I wrote this the day before the documentary was released. So I stayed up all night to watch it as soon as it aired, mostly because I figured it would be taken down within a few hours. I found the documentary on Mike's website. And first of all, it's two hours, not three. Not sure why it was advertised as three. They must've taken out a lot, obviously, but it's, it's something all right. Now, here's the thing. It was removed by YouTube after four hours it was released. And I kid you not, I watched the whole video, clicked on it within a few minutes of its release and maybe two hours later while editing this, it was gone for violating community guidelines. However, I can't find it as of right now. So I understand if you wanna take this portion with a grain of salt because I can't actually give you the source for this because it's a dead link now. But there are multiple other sources that also saw the documentary and confirm what it said as well in the content shown. So I'm hoping that that form of corroborative evidence will kind of make this a little more valid. But again, because the documentary was taken down, it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for me to obviously give you that proof directly, which is kind of unfortunate. Anyway, it opens with Mike saying he and his pillow company have been attacked and people are boycotting him. He says he did his own investigation. He used multiple sources and he received hard evidence, a paper from a machine itself that proves there was foreign interference with the machines. I think if Mike has that, he should be open with it and show us what he's talking about if it actually exists because that would be incredibly important information, but he doesn't. So I kept watching to see if I'd get a chance to actually view and analyze this supposed absolute proof. And to be fair throughout this whole thing, like it's really just, it's, it was not put together well. I don't know how else to say that. Like Mike doesn't sound scripted at all. He sounds as if he's just grabbing at straws or telling a story and narrating stuff with a lot of ums, pauses and likes inserted into his speech. He also says that the deviations and spikes in votes on election night was a miracle because they proved there was some kind of fraud going on. In actuality, these vote spikes did include Trump votes. These claims have been debunked. One single clerical error was resolved. And a lot of this had to do with absentee votes being counted. It makes sense that the mail-in votes were largely Democrat because of all the talk of fraud with mail-in voting came from the Republican party. That doesn't mean mail-in votes aren't legal and legitimate votes. I don't see why Mike can't put two and two together and understand this, but let's continue. Four minutes into this documentary, he says that the second miracle that happened in recent votes is that the possible margin of error is much greater than the margin of victory. Yet there's no evidence for this margin of error. He says 1500 dead people voted in Nevada and 42,000 Nevadans voted twice, but he doesn't prove any of this whatsoever. 
Again, Mike does a garbage job of breaking this down. It's incredibly disorganized, just like any of his rants, because he's simply spewing numbers, hoping some of it will stick somehow. There's not a single source for any of this, so why am I supposed to believe these numbers? He claims 66,000 underage children voted in Georgia, but again, no proof. How the fuck can he call his documentary absolute proof with no proof? Mike just goes on and on and on, stating that the possible margin of error is greater than the need to win. He says that Georgia's secretary of state told the president they couldn't get the correct numbers. But funny how Georgia's secretary of state isn't here saying this. If it were true, then why wouldn't he be speaking out? In actuality, here's what Raffensperger, Georgia's secretary of state said about the election. We have the numbers on our side and that's why we had our press conference. We showed that of, I think there's at least 10,000 dead voters, he said, we had two. Raffensperger continued, we had no underage voting in all the state of Georgia. Everyone was 18 during that election. He just has bad data. And when you have good data, you know that you can stand by your results and our results were accurate. Is Mike aiming to get another lawsuit, putting words into this guy's mouth? Because if I were Raffensperger, I'd be pissed right now. He interviews someone that at about 15 minutes in confidently states that the vote was stolen and the testing company for Dominion is in China. Yet again, not a single source used. Dominion HQ is also in Colorado. So Mike making Dominion out to be a Chinese communist party. Well, it's just another lie. Mike explains that there's still court cases and Arizona is having a full scale forensic investigation as to make it sound like there's a reason to believe there's fraud, even though nothing has actually come of these investigations of voter fraud whatsoever. After all this, he brings on Russ Ramsland, a co-owner of Allied Security Operations Group. Russ said that he's seen voting machines, not Dominion, but similar machines changed in 2018, someone playing with the election. He claims that he tried to alert people and submit it to the FBI, but the FBI did nothing. Russ said eventually it was founded that there was no proof the voting machines in Texas were compromised, but yet they show no source of this. If this truly happened and Russ had pages upon pages upon pages of proof that the voting machines in Texas didn't work the way they're supposed to, why didn't he, you know, make it public? Like, I don't understand why these conspiracy theorists will speak with such confidence and make it seem like you absolutely have to believe them. This is a horrible event and more people need to listen, yet they do not bring evidence forward. I haven't been able to find any paperwork or evidence that the election management system or EMS in Texas is corrupt as Russ clearly states it is. So why not show your source? I'm open to listening to anyone. Seriously, I'm not just open to believing a claim as bold as this without any kind of evidence though. Mike's only absolute proof as of right now is anecdotal. Russ claims no judge would look at the evidence, but again, I'm asking what evidence? Mike says this is all suppressed. All the evidence is getting buried and here he is making a documentary where he could bring that forward and he does not. Mike has a man named Dr. Shiva on his documentary next who claims to be the inventor of emails, which is blatantly untrue. Shiva would have been 14 at the time and he says that the term email hadn't been used before he coined it in 1978. However, most histories of the internet point to electronic mail systems being in place well before 1978, according to internet historian, Ian Peter. The first electronic mail system resided on a single multi-user computer, Peter noted. Then the processing of electronically sending someone a message involved using a program that would place the message somewhere in the receiver's file directory where it could be read, often in a directory named mail. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology's mailbox program offered this capability in 1965. And yet Mike brings this guy on, a man who has lobbied to replace Dr. Fauci without any experience or education in infectious diseases to tell us the election was fake. Sounds about right. Yet again, though Shiva talks for a while, he brings no evidence or paperwork with him. A former Michigan Senator comes in, same story. 
He says there was evidence that the poll centers were connected to the internet as well. And I do agree that if the voting machines were connected to the internet, that there could be the open door potential liability of someone accessing it. And we've heard about this before the election because firewalls can be breached and computers can be hacked. That is true. However, even if people have a valid concern, that doesn't mean the voting machines were in fact hacked and there's no evidence that they were. One source states, one reason that is not a particularly good conspiracy theory beyond the reasons the Times and the AP lay out in the CSIA assessment is that Pennsylvania recently acquired all of its voting machines to use or generate voter verifiable paper records, which can be used for the state's routine audits of electronic tallies and if necessary, a full manual recount. That makes it vanishingly unlikely an electronic vote rigging scheme on the scale Trump alleges with tens or hundreds of thousands of votes changed could succeed. An attempt to modify so many paper records would inevitably be detected by voters on election day. If the paper records were accurate, but the digital count interfered with, the errors would either need to be distributed across so many machines that it would be detected in routine statistical audits or generate such enormous anomalies on a small number of machines that they would send up unmistakable signal flares demanding scrutiny. It would, in short, be a scheme so manifestly doomed to failure that so guaranteed to be detected that nobody sophisticated enough to attempt it could regard it as a viable strategy. One woman on the documentary who worked as tech support for Dominion says she never saw a single Trump vote when she was working with the machines. And an attorney from Michigan says normally a county in Michigan votes Republican, but on election night, it turned blue. Yeah, Georgia turned blue too. Did they ever consider that that was possible that people weren't voting for Trump because they didn't want him in office anymore? Like that's such a weird argument to have. This woman, by the way, that claims to have worked for Dominion was named Melissa Carone. Yes, that Melissa who gave disastrous and contradictory voter fraud testimony, as if I'm really gonna trust anything that comes out of her mouth after her behavior in court. They also discussed the hand recount that happened in Antrim County, Michigan, which has already been discussed and debunked. I mean, hey, at least they've got real numbers on the screen finally, even though Mike's presenting them incorrectly. As one source reports in December, 2020, a live streamed recount of the presidential election in a small Michigan County turned up no sign of shenanigans Thursday. Oh my God, side note, they used shenanigans in an article, I love that. Trump padded his Antrim County victory with 11 more votes while Joe Biden lost one. The Republican party in the Northern Lower Peninsula has been under intense scrutiny since the November 3rd election when initial results showed a local victory for Biden. It was all attributed to human error, not any problems with voting machines and corrected. But a judge still took the extraordinary step of allowing a resident to take forensic images of election equipment. The hand tally confirmed the truth and affirmed the facts. Dominion's voting machines accurately tabulated the votes cast for presidents in Antrim County, said Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. It is time for the disinformation campaigns to stop and for elected and other leaders on both sides of the aisle to unequivocally affirm that the election was secure and accurate, Benson said. So why does Mike keep blaming the machines? The fact is that Trump should have had 11 more votes than he did in one county in Michigan, votes that were miscounted because of human error, not machine error. This isn't 200,000 dead people voting or thousands of underage voters. It's 11 votes because of human error and it was fixed. And I'm not saying those 11 votes do not count, they absolutely do, but to delegitimize an entire election because of human error in one small county is ridiculous. Mike shouts that Antrim is 7,000 votes off, a far cry from 11. This was live streamed and hand counted, but Mike continued to blame the machines for another good 20 minutes or so in this documentary anyway. 
Finally, an hour and a half into the documentary, Mike shows this absolute proof evidence, this smoking gun that's meant to prove the election is in fact fraud. Mary Fanning, a national intelligence researcher, is on the phone and shows Mike a chart of information supposedly collected from these machines, and there's a foreign intrusion with a foreign IP address. One owner or source is Huawei Technology. There's dozens of others, mostly from Japan and China. Now, at first glance, this does look awful, right? I mean, yeah, I don't like Huawei. That's pretty obvious, I think. But to the untrained eye, yeah, this looks horrible. China's technology interfered with the election. Oh my God, there's the proof. There's logins and computers to Michigan, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona on the screen, all of them making Trump's numbers go down. So why would these machines be logging into Dominion? Well, it turns out these are the documents that Lindell supposedly showed Trump in their meeting. And as you may expect, they're not legitimate in any sense of the word. One source states, Lindell said he showed Trump an article from the American Report, a conspiracy theory website that's fringe even by the standards of Trump's late presidency that purports to show that China and a host of other entities hacked the election through an analysis of IP addresses. It's not clear what point the American Report article, which is currently offline, but preserved in archive form wants to make. The banner image attached to the article alleges a wide ranging election conspiracy that includes the Chinese government, telecom giant Huawei and Czech Republic, Amazon, and even the German University of Stuttgart. The article claims, for example, that a device with a Huawei IP address hacked into IP addresses in a battleground state on election day, but fails to offer any proof of that hacking actually occurred. This seems to be exactly what I'm looking at in Mike's documentary. Therefore, it isn't really data from the source that Mike is looking at. When I look at a credible claim, the most important thing is where they're getting their information from. This didn't come from the machines themselves. It didn't come from the counters. It came from a discredited and biased source. I know that some can argue, oh, well, sources saying Biden won are biased and that's fair, but the papers and votes themselves did not lie. Well, the article continues and says, the American Report article appears to be tied into the conspiracy theory that the site has repeatedly championed after the election, a truly bizarre hoax that the CIA used a nefarious supercomputer called Hammer and a program called Scorecard to steal the election. The idea came from Dennis Montgomery, a software engineer and purported master hoaxer who has claimed to create Hammer. But Montgomery is far from credible. He allegedly ripped off federal agencies for millions of dollars in post 9-11 America with software he claimed falsely could detect hidden Al-Qaeda transmissions. While it's unclear where the American report got its data proving the hacking, there are suggestions that the claims came from Montgomery. At the end of the article that Lindell showed to Trump, the American report links to a website called BLXware. It's the same name as the company Montgomery once founded. The page promotes Montgomery as a heroic election whistleblower and links to a fundraiser where he's raised more than $60,000 from Trump supporters interested in his election fraud claims. Mike's sources are arguably worse than he is. Even Montgomery's lawyer has been temporarily suspended from practicing law. Montgomery is known for churning out false data and the fact that Lindell doesn't directly name where his source comes from, he just says it's a computer expert is telling. Montgomery has been caught for writing over a million dollars in bad checks. The FBI has raided his home. He's brought in fake proof to a court of law in 2013. And this is where the evidence is coming from, from a man that's been called a con artist and a habitual liar. This is why it is so, so important to dig deeper. Because on the surface, Mike's claims at the end of his documentary could be compelling to some people, but only if you ask yourself where it came from, does the entire thing fall apart? His singular piece of proof that wasn't anecdotal, that smoking gun that I was waiting for, isn't anything reputable or proven. So let me be clear, there is no evidence of voter fraud. 
I still can't believe that this is something that has to be said in 2021, but here we are. Mike Lindell is only getting worse, but thankfully that is where that documentary ends and that's where today's episode is going to end too. So thank you for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you in the next one.